Outrocast. Well, Damien, aside from having to talk to this guy, how is your day going so far? Uh, day's going great, man. Uh, just uh, got started a little hungover from last night, but making it LA's LA's a different city. <laughs> right. Well, following your Instagram, 2023 has been the best year ever for you. Am I right? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's actually been a great year. Met a lot of new friends and uh, developed new relationships. I didn't uh, think I'd really ever have, um, and been able to travel the world, do a lot more, and uh, um, having having the best year yet for sure. Glad to hear all that. And part of I'd assume what makes 2023 so great is this appearance on OnlyFans TV. Am I correct about that? Yeah, yeah. So the uh, OnlyFans TV experience I had with Mismatch was a great opportunity. And I wasn't sure if I was going to take it at first. Um, I was like, I don't really want to keep uh, doing like dating experiences in a sense. Uh, but it was well worth it. And uh, definitely glad I did it. So when did you actually film for OnlyFans TV? Uh, I think it was uh, end of March, beginning of April. Got yeah. it. So you had to keep a secret for a pretty long time. Yeah. Yeah, especially the person I was with because we still hang out. So it's like you got to sort of keep that balance until uh, until it airs. Well, I uh, c can I throw you a compliment or two or this is a compliment free interview? Oh, no, go ahead. Compliment. Let's go. <laughs> OK, so obviously your credits are great. IMDb has a lot of the stuff, not everything. But then going through your social media in the 1.2 million Instagram followers alone and then you go through the link tree and you see all the stuff that you got going on. I think that you work on a lot of things that the average person doesn't realize because you're so accessible and you do so many partnerships. So how does all this get done? Is there a team behind Damien Powers? Uh, so I, I do have a team like that particularly helps me work on certain things, but all the brand deals stuff that come in, like I usually film and edit those myself. Um, sometimes I'm able to get help on that. But I mean, between that and work life and balancing everything, it does become stressful sometimes. Um, it's all new to me. So even though I've been doing this for a few years, it still feels like it's very fresh. Um, and I still find it very challenging at times. So I'm constantly looking for room to grow and to learn. Um, whether that's from another show or somebody else in the industry. Um, but either way, it does it does take a toll on you sometimes. And a lot of people don't realize they think that, oh, wow, it's just easy, you know, being on TV or and, and I don't even like to call myself an influencer because I don't really do as much influencing as I should. Um, that's another goal for this year. Uh, but uh, there's a lot that goes behind it and uh, still a lot, still a lot to learn and a lot of growing to do on my behalf. What was life like for you in 2019? Because the scent kind of happened in 2020. Yeah, so 2019 was a uh, was a uh, it, it was a quiet time for me, and it was because I had done Love Is Blind. I filmed Love Is Blind back in 2018, so I was in a full relationship with a girl from that show. Um, but until the show aired, we couldn't really talk about it. You know what I mean? So, um, and our show didn't air till 2020. So I was. Still traveling, doing everything. I was working a full-time job, um, like 80, 90 hours a week sometimes. And it was uh, it was great for me at that point in my life. But I knew I was sort of meant for more. And I wanted to, you know, jump on that and, and see where the world would take me. So, Yeah, it's kind of an accidental career path that you've had. What was the long-term plan? Was there such a thing before Love is Blind? No, no, I wasn't. I was actually uh, on my career path. I'd been with a, a really good company for five years at that point. I was a general manager of my own, like, like pretty much city. Um, so it was, I thought that was like my long-term career. Um, and then this opportunity happened randomly from 
matching a casting producer on a dating app to talking to them on social media to getting casted for what was a social experiment um, and I hadn't even been sold the network yet. So for me, it was it was a lot that I had to like figure out, was I willing to give up my career for an opportunity to find love? Because yeah. the show wasn't said to be on Netflix. It wasn't said to be on a major network. So it was for me, it was like I'm taking a big risk for the long term and my lifestyle and my relationship to see if it's worth it. So I was willing to sacrifice my job for that. Um, and I ended up sacrificing it at the end of the day, but created a whole new path that, you know, I'm thankful for. And I've been on journeys that, you know, some people could only dream of. So I'm very thankful for that. Yeah. Well, growing up as somebody who watched reality TV in the 90s, people from the real world, just because they were on the real world, didn't mean that they were going to have a career after that. You know, people go, hey, that's so-and-so from the real world. And that doesn't mean that they were going to get a record deal or production deal. In your case, again, the 1.2 million and counting followers on Instagram, the other shows after Love is Blind, etc. clearly there's a career. Now, in terms of what you're doing now, is that something that you want to do another 20, 30 years? Or is there a, a master plan where you're going to be producing things and you have business ventures going, etc.? Yeah, so um, I see reality TV as sort of uh, instant means. I mean, my whole goal going into reality TV was not for fame or clout. Like, I didn't even, I thought I'd gain like maybe two or 3,000 followers from Love is Blind because <laughs> the concept was like, okay, like who's going to watch people blind day behind a wall and talk for hours? Yeah. Right. So I wasn't going uh, to. No, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. I was like, there's no way this is even going to blow up. Um, so for me, it wasn't about any of that. It was actually about finding a good connection or relationship. So, um, will I continue to do dating shows? Yeah. I mean, in, until I can find somebody, whether it's in the real world, right. Or in our industry space, um, I have, if I'm not dating anybody and I'm not seeing anybody in a sense, then it's like, okay, why not? Um, so, um, but I would like to transition to more like challenge based competition based shows. Uh, but, but long-term I do, I'm, I'm working on some business ventures now that hopefully will, you know, take over all this and I'm able to get out and sort of do what I want to do. And that's give back and be able to still create a lifestyle for me and my family in the future. We know as consumers of television that the first wave is the regular show. Then we get the all stars version of the show. Then we get that cast on another reality show of the all stars, et cetera. So if you want to do eight ways of this, you can, but it's great to know that you have plans outside of all this. Now, when you're not dealing with cameras and social media, et cetera, what's life like for you? What are your hobbies? What, what can we know about you, Damien? Yeah, so when I'm not filming, a, I'm, I'm an avid skier. So during the winter season, you'll catch me on the slopes somewhere in the world. Um, I've been going to Lake Tahoe the last few years. I've always enjoyed it out there. I'm going to be doing Bell this year with one of my buddies. And uh, so be out there for a few months on the slopes. Um, working out was a big passion the earlier part of my 20s. Um, and then once I did the show, I sort of like dipped off from it. So I just got back into the fitness side of things, um, which took a while. So You'll catch me working out at the gym or going for a run, um, but traveling is obviously the biggest thing. And I mean, I just got back from a little like three week Euro trip and went to New York and then Florida and then I'm back in LA um, and then I'll be leaving again for um, Germany in a month and a half. So um, traveling is probably the biggest thing I do is when I'm not working or grinding outside of all of this. Is there a destination you haven't yet been to or worked in that you're still hoping to get to? Yeah, so I've, uh, I've I've wanted to do Croatia and sort of the Greek islands. I haven't done that yet. It's been on my list every single year. And then 
somebody's like, oh, let's do this trip instead. And I'm like, all right, you know, screw it. So, um, and then Bali's been on there as well. So Bali's hoping, I'm hoping to do that as well this year. Um, but I do have like two other trips already planned. So got to figure out how to work in there. And it sounds miserable. It's like, oh God, you got to pick between which destination you want to go to. But look, there's planning involved. There's saving and, you know, making sure you have a great time along the way. So a lot of people are asking like, oh, like, how do you do this? And I'm like, well, I don't go out and spend $10,000 a night on a section at a nightclub either. So, you know, um, but it, it's all balance and work. And, and sometimes you just got to take time to find that. And with what you mentioned before about the working and the fitness, does the music matter to you when you're in the midst of all that? Um, so some days I'm in my fills, you know what I mean? I mean, I do a dating show, it doesn't work out. And then I'm listening to, you know, beautiful girls all over the world, some slow rom-com shit. Um, the next day I'm like, you know, I've had a rough morning and I'm listening to just some like hard metal shit. And the next day I'm listening to hip hop RV. So um, I don't really have a particular genre. It just depends on how I'm feeling that day. So you're a secret metalhead. I, I like it when I need to like lift heavy and I'm like just trying to get all my anger out. Yeah. But <laughs> so what's the last concert that you went to for fun? Uh, Stagecoach. So. Oh, okay. so country right there. So country, metal, pop, really? Yeah, so, yeah I'm from Georgia, uh, South Georgia a little bit. So, I mean, I grew up in the country. I was born in Louisiana, raised in Germany. So, I mean, I've been all over, but uh, uh, Stagecoach was fun. I did Coachella right before that for the first time, too. Had a blast there, but uh, Stagecoach was by far the fun, most fun I've done lately. So, to kind of recap what I've learned here, this is an accidental career that you weren't expecting, but it's panned out pretty great so far. You have a lot of goals. You have a lot of plans. Maybe we'll see you on more dating reality shows. Maybe not. <laughs> so that's that's question. Yeah. You're not an influencer. Despite how it looks, you're not an influencer, but there's nothing wrong with being one. And yeah. I think we just have to keep following you on social media to know where you're going to be next. Yeah, it's just, I think that's the biggest thing is like people are like, oh, influencer. Like the, the word's so push and shoving. There are some people out there that are genuine influencers. Like they give back, they, they influence their audience. And that's what I consider an influencer to be somebody that can influence their audience and give more of a positive impact back to them. And I did it for a little bit and then I sort of stopped. And, and now, like, I don't post unless I'm like getting like I'm fucked up somewhere. And I'm like, oh, look at this view. It's crazy. You know what I mean? So I want to change that part of me. Um, I, I want to find a way to use my social media to get back and to be um, a better individual and use my platform for more good than just personal gain. Um, so trying to find that balance right now and, and work on some strategies to do that because uh, I do. I'm a great person. I can just be better. So my motto is if better is possible, good is not enough and I can be better and I'm learning to be better. So. Great answer. Well, last question before I let you go. Besides OnlyFans TV's series, Mismatch, which has you in season two, plug, plug, what's a TV recommendation that you have, a show that we should be watching? Because every time the wife and I say, we're going to watch this, we kill it in four days and we go, what's next? So yeah, we're open yeah. up. So I've been, I'm big on like uh, shows that sort of make you think. So I, I, I've been to the Suits series. That was really good. I'm sure a lot of people have seen that. Um, uh, the Lincoln Lawyer, I just watched that recently, too. That's another good show. I like critical thinking, things that are like always have an unexpected. Uh, Billions is one of my favorite shows. Um, if you're thinking about the lavish lifestyle and the traveling and, uh, you know, how like millionaires spend their money, Ballers is a great one with The Rock. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. And that just I think that just came out on Netflix uh, recently, too. But uh, those are some of my favorite series, Ballers, Billions, um, Suits. So just shows like that. Yeah. 
Okay, well, you've given me a new recommendation or two, but Damien, thank you for your time. I'm looking forward to whatever's coming next for me in the near future. Thank you so much for having me, and I look forward to uh, talking to you again soon, my friend. Outrocast. Rome, aside from having to talk to this guy, good day for you so far? Amazing, brother. Beautiful. I mean, my favorite venue. Life's good. Which venue is that? Uh, this is the Meriwether Amphitheater. Oh, yeah. In uh, Maryland, incredible. right? Uh-huh. Nice. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, you know. It's it's uh it's beautiful back here. They got us and everything. Well, we're gonna come back to the tour, but first let's talk about Cool and Collected, the new single. Rob Cavallo produced it. Pretty big deal right there. But when did you actually record it? Actually, Rob Cavallo didn't produce that one. I did. Um, this guy did. Love Rob Cavallo though. Rob Cavallo worked with, worked with us on the last record. That's a mouthful. I, um, I, I will leave that error in there to show the lack of you know the inferiority over here. Hey but man, it's all good. It. I mean, okay, that's great. Song hasn't been out that long, so you're all right. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, you know it was it's it's a, a crazy how the whole thing came about. You know, um, a lot of things in the music industry. You know, it takes takes a uh, a lot of planning, a hundred freaking emails, and like you know like a, a lot of planning and stuff to get done but this happened so relatively natural and fast i ran into miles one of the singers of slightly stupid backstage and uh backstage at a festival cali vibes and he was like dude we're going on summer tour together we should do a song to write a song and release it that way we have a song to play together every night and i thought that's a great idea man I'm I'm like I'm leaving to the studio the very next day to go record our album. So you couldn't have said this at a more perfect time. We went out there then the very next day to Sonic Ranch. That's where we record our music out out in El Paso, Texas. Right. And um, man, I put together an idea it over to them just to see if they were vibing with it. They loved it, man. They dropped their vocals, threw some horns on it, added a couple of little bells and whistles, sent it back. I finished it up with the guys and we had it uploaded in like 60 days. Like, not even like 30 days it was crazy man things work like that very rarely do they move that fast so i'm uh really excited that we actually got to put the pedal to the metal and get that thing out summer tour you know so you answered half the question right there uh the wife and i last year saw you with incubus at jones beach here in new york and you did one newish kind of song it was the hits plus one in this case this summer is it cool and collected plus the hits plus another song from the past few records um, so we've been kind of like breaking it up into like rule of thirds where it's like the hits legacy, amazing, you know, like the, the deep cuts for the super fans and then like a third of just our originals. And then of that, you know, now we're, we're working on our, what is this? This is going to be our fourth album. So it's like, you know, we're getting a body of music in and of ourselves where it's like, okay, we got to start pulling some of that stuff. So we've been kind of pulling selectively. Um, there was one night of the tour where I put like a grip of new songs on there from the new album. And um, yeah, people were kind of like, what are we listening to? We've never heard this music before. So there's a balance. Yeah, it sounds sure. familiar, but it doesn't at the same time. I, yeah. I think it's great the familiarity that you bring to Sublime with Rome, obviously the namesake of the band. But at what point did you kind of realize that this was going to be a long-term thing? I'd have to imagine that it was first tour was just the first tour and the first album was the first album and we'll take it from there. But now you've been there, what, 16 years? Yeah, man. It's, it's crazy. It's like super crazy. Um, you know, we, we always talk about that. Like we, we never thought this would like continue this long, but you know, the music is bigger than us. It's bigger than all of us. And I think that, you know, 
we've just been like fortunate enough to be able to put on type of performance where fans keep loving it and keep coming back. And, you know, I think part of that is because of, we try really hard to make the live show as live to like the record as possible and, and just really make sure that, you know, the fans of Sublime are coming out here and not going to get, you know, jipped with like three quarters of the set. Here's our new songs and our new album. You know, it's like, no, this protect the integrity of Sublime at all times. That's like our MO. And, and I just, you know, the kids keep showing the people keep showing up three generations. Now we get these kids wearing Sublime shirts who half of them kind of know who we are, half of them don't. And then you got like, you know, people like our age showing up to the show. And then you got like the older heads who grew up watching Sublime at, at parties in Long Beach. So it's like, it's a trip, you know, to be able to have all three, but long, long as short, um, the fans, the whole reason why they just keep coming. The only two bands I can think of that were kings of the California backyard circuit in history were Sublime and Van Halen. Am I missing anyone else that was like a famous California backyard band? No, that's that's about it right there. It's Van just Halen that, the same thing you're right about that. Yeah, there's so many people who are like, like, man, I used to go drink beers with David Lee Roth backstage at UCS. You know, I used to love that shit. That's cool though. Well, uh, also credit goes to you that you've been active outside of Sublime with Rome. I remember the collaborative track that you had with Blues Traveler a couple albums ago. Oh yeah, Dirty Heads, and you have worked together, etc. Those are my boys. Yeah, so, man, it's been crazy life. So you're not just resting on being sublime with Rome guy. Rome Ramirez has been very, very active for the past 15-ish years or so. Is there a solo album coming in the future? Man, for sure. After this record, that's that's what I'm locking away and doing. I'm doing this next sublime record. And I've been putting away music. And, you know, I, I do it like a lot of music producing and, and songwriting for other artists. So that, that was like a big... You know, I've always wanted to really dive into that. And, and that's what I've done for the longest time um, when I came home from Sublime, you know, um, from like Sublime tours. But, you know, it's just like made me really like just antsy to like put out my own music. And and I finally kind of gave in to that, that like, you know, hunger that I had. So I've been putting away music and kind of visualizing how it's all going to go down. And I'm, I look forward to getting that out probably like 2025 or something. But, you know, you got to think far in advance this stuff. The solo material, is it the exact opposite of Sublime? The reason I ask that is because <laughs> yeah. Creed does a solo record uh, in the last year or two, and it's Frank Sinatra covers, and he's a crooner kind of thing. Usually the solo album's the exact opposite of the day job. Yeah, you know, that's that's a good point, you know, because you don't want to, like, I hate, from my personal experience, with my favorite bands, when the singer would go make a solo record that sounds like, better songs than the bands the band's last album but with not as good players on it i'm like this is bullshit you robbed me of it like so my whole thing man is like sublime is the identity that everyone knows me as you know because that was like where uh that's the band that i joined um but my actual sound preference and style is you know if you see me enough you'll you'll probably pull some of it but I'm really inspired by like, you know, like Motown kind of soul and stuff like that. So sure. like, you know, my, my like pro like project in my mind, the, the kind of songs I write were kind of like more like Jack Johnson meets like Stevie Wonder, Black Pumas kind of vibe. And that's, that's like the place where I operate. Reggae is a huge part of my life. So it'll naturally just be in there, you know, 
I, I couldn't get away from reggae if I even wanted to. So, but I, I get it. You do have the soulful voice. You just happen to also be able to sing like Brad, which is again. Hey, man, I'm grateful for that. That's cool. I mean, shit, I, I learned it all from him, you know, like he's the whole reason why I even got into singing in the first place. And yeah. then people like Lauren Hill and Stevie Wonder just showed me like things that you can do with your voice that I just didn't know you can, you know? It, re- it reminds me of how Paul Stanley from Kiss, when he's not doing Kiss, he does the music that's the exact opposite, which is Soul Station, which is him covering Motown. So that's I awesome. think that there's a lot of Motown people out there. Yeah, man. You know, it's beautiful music. You know, it's it ha- has just, I don't I like the production of it and everything, the simplicity. Yeah. But, you know, and the grittiness. I don't know. I, I can just totally relate to it. My my mom was always playing oldies and, and soul and, and even some of the really early, you know, reggae music, like, you know, the like the early Bob Marley, even like it's so heavily inspired by that 50s kind of Mo, Motown doo-wop kind of, yep. you know, sound. And and uh, I mean, I, I can just hear something and trace it back to that always. So, yeah, I got to I got to chase that, you know, for sure. Well, nothing I'm trying to figure out. The more people I speak to from the punk and hard rock communities, the more I realize that everyone's a golfer. Are you part of the secret golf punk ska community? <laughs> no, nah, man. I-, I wish, man. A bunch of cool people play golf, and they always ask me to go play. And I'm just like, no, nah, I don't want to go out there and make a fool of myself. I don't, you know, I was just talking about this yesterday w- with my manager. But, like, I don't have any hobbies other than just making music. This is like all I do. Like, I wish I'll get a video game and I'll play it for like a day and then get frustrated and never touch it again. So I learned to not buy video game stuff. Um, but I'm, you know, I, I have a bunch of kids and uh, I got a beautiful big family and, and I spend all of my time just like, you know, hanging with them and, and making records. And, and I love yeah. that. I don't have enough time to make the, like more records that I want to make. So I can't golf right now. Maybe when I'm older, like 60 or something. One day. Well, two quick questions and then I'll let you go. In the first question, you mentioned Brad and Sublime was, you know, why you became what you became. But what was the first record that you bought? Uh, The first record I I ever bought was self-titled Sublime. Really? Yeah. Yeah, dude. No, I'm like, this ain't a marketing pitch or nothing. Like, they were the first band that ever, that, uh, that I ever fell in love with. So you don't have a MC Hammer, Vanilla Ice kind of origin story? No, like I listened to like my my mom, because I discovered Sublime when I was 11 years old. So prior to that, like, you know, I I wasn't really buying any CDs and shit. I was just out there listening to what was KMEL. I really like rap music. I'm from the Bay Area and KMEL Jams is like the biggest radio station in the Bay. So like, you know, and I was young, you know, and, and the Bay is like really hip hop dominant anyway. So it was just, that was my shit. And then one summer I heard Sublime and it was game over, man. I was like, take these jerseys. I want fucking tank top, you know, <laughs> like it just, yeah. I, I like completely transformed the person I am because I heard the music and fell in love with it. And it was like, I don't know. It just seemed like an escape from like everything that I had, you know, in what, where I was and stuff, even at such a young age, it was just like, this is a whole identity is different and unique. And, um, and I love the sound. So I, I went home and asked, asked my dad. I'm like, yo, can you buy me the CD? And I asked my mom. And she was like, hell no. You know, a bunch of bad words on it. And then I asked my dad. And he was like, yeah, for sure. I got you. 
So thank God the for that. The back cover, is it the CD of the album that has the guy with the beer bottle? Yeah, yeah, okay. he's like naked holding the bottle and he's like smoking a spliff and he's got porn on the walls. My mom was like, dude, you're way too young to be listening to this. And the, the rest is history. I'm sure they're proud. But uh, le- last question I got for you. Whatever life is like at home is the exact opposite on the road. There's a lot of downtime. People don't realize that. They think that the backstage is exciting. Usually the backstage is the most boring part of the venue. This is a bunch yep. of nervous people pacing and, uh, you know, trying Just to keep figuring out what to do. So when you go on stage, obviously the adrenaline peaks and all that. How long does it take you to kind of come down like when when you get off stage can somebody talk to you within 30 seconds or do you need at this point a couple of hours to like wind down well i mean i can talk i mean you know i i don't i don't have any prerequisites you know like like if someone casts me in the hall on the way i'm like hey man how's it going i haven't seen you in a minute that's fine um but i do know some artists that are like i need 15 (laughs) but i i like having about five to 10 minutes, 10. I, I like having 10 to 15 minutes with just the, me and the guys backstage and and just um, locker room talk. Just be like, <laughs> dude, remember that one guy who freaking threw a shoe and it hit your drum? Like, dude, what was up with that? I'm like, hey, did you mess up that little horn part? And he's like, yeah, I hit the wrong. Just game tape, you know, and just going over and ideas and high-fiving. And, and then we always do this. We like, We'll tell our security guy, like, all right, you can let everyone in now. And then everyone comes in and everyone gets drinks. They're like, dude, best show I ever seen. You know, good to see you. So that's cool. Josh Freeze must have been the king of that. Oh man. Josh. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, Josh is he's uh, you know, he he definitely has hit a routine down. You can't be someone like Josh Freeze without having a routine down. Like, no. you know, this guy's like one of the most prolific musicians in rock and roll history. I'll it's- say it. It's and, not just uh, P.F. Chang's and cat photos. Oh, no, dude, or Bono. But, you know, you what you see is what you get. That is Josh Reese to the T, you know. He's 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 great. But, um, yeah, no, he's he's a rock star, man. He's He's got his own. Every rock, like, every, like, you know, musician up there has, like, kind of their own regimen, you know. And it's funny. You can offshoot it by, like, one beer, you know. Like, it can go north or south. <laughs> So it's like, you got to have your regiment down every night. Well said. Well, Rome, thank you for the many years of great music. Looking forward to the next Jones Beat show. Looking forward to the solo record. Looking forward to the full length that Cool and Collect is from. Just a lot to look forward from you and crew. So thank you for being you. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for the love. In this period of your life, there's no shortage of stuff to talk about because there's Demolition 23. And yes, this is an original there is the cool. tribute concert. There's your book that you're promoting at the book fair. Wow. But Demolition 23, when did you find out it was being re-released? Well, there was this, we've been talking about it for ages with, with little Steve. And, and uh, this was uh, um, maybe about a year ago when finally said, yeah, let's do it. And, uh, and then it took a while. I, I went into remaster it and then we worked on a cover and did that uh, with rich jones from my band who's done my latest album covers and uh it's really good at it and i dug out some old pictures and you know we made a nice it's never been out on vinyl so now mm-hmm. it's going to be a nice package i mean it is a nice package with the poster and everything and and then uh renewed the cd uh, uh cover as well the booklet and all and then uh, it's going to be on, it's on Spotify and all kinds of platforms, uh, digital 
whatever they have these days. Uh, and the uh, remastered sounding better than ever. It's kicking ass. Uh, and you, you, you seem to have the uh, Japanese version, right? I have the Japanese version, and it, it just, yeah. it didn't have a place to put the booklet. It all just kind of. Yeah, up. it was weird. I was, I was, I was upset about that. And and the other thing was the the color of the de of the the logo, Demolition Twenty Three. It was it's turquoise. It was supposed to be blue. For some reason, there was some kind of uh, cook up with that. There was a uh, they screwed up. Uh, it has to be, I don't know what happened, but it was like supposed to be more like deep blue and uh, turquoise wasn't that it was supposed to be the color. So, but on the, the new cover is uh, correct. Uh, like, and it was in the European version had the, the right blue, tone of blue. So I uh, pay attention to all these things. Uh, You're a detail oriented gentleman. And absolutely. Outrocast. <laughs>